Glory to God. Well, Merry Christmas again to everybody. It's a great time of year. Man, I love this time of year. I I didn't used to. Um, Anybody ever watch the Christmas Carol? Ebenezer Scrooge. I kind of feel like I used to have some of that anointing on my life. But I got delivered of it. Didn't like it, didn't like the presents, didn't like the Santa Claus stuff, didn't like all that, you know. Um, I didn't know God at all growing up, but uh, when I was 18, I got born again. And uh, I don't know why, but all of a sudden I got real religious and real legalistic about specific things. And, you know, it was really hard on people and and, and all that. I don't know why. I don't know why that happened. And uh, married my wife and started having our children, you know, and I was still kind of hard, you know, there's no television, you know, didn't really like the, uh, you know, if you're going to give somebody a gift, you can give them gifts all year long. Yeah, you can, but there's something special about this time, you know, and it took me a while, not, not like for my wife to talk me into it. It took me a while for God to get to the ugliness of my heart about those kind of things, about not liking something. You know, a lot of times in life, there are things that you struggle with, and you think that's just who you are. And you, you, a lot of times we expect people to tolerate our ugliness because that's just who we are. You know, uh, m- men come off as being, you know, we, we get this rap that we're selfish and all we do is think about ourselves. And, you know, a lot, lot, a lot of men are that way. But I'm telling you today, if that's your personality, don't, don't be walking around, well, that's just the way I am. No, if you're selfish, you need to get rid of it because it's not God. Amen? And if all you do is think about yourself and everybody's got to cater to you, you need to get over yourself. Whatever. <clears throat> I don't say those things to get a lot of support. I say them because they're true. And because of what I've had to learn in myself about that. Can you say amen? So, it, it, it's, a, it's a really good day to be alive in the kingdom and not be afraid to change. I'm going to say it again. It's really good to be a part of the kingdom of God and not be afraid of change. Change is the number one thing that no one can get away from. You can try to run from it, but change is always happening. Things are always changing. Things are not going to be in five years from now like they were five years ago. And, and, and the same in your life. You, you can either embrace change or you can reject it and fight with it, and it'll make your life very difficult. But I'm telling you today, allow yourself to embrace change. As, we, as, as we're coming to the end of one year into the next year, it's change, right? As we change, as, as last year, the year before, we changed presidents. We went from one presidency to the next, right? There's change. There's constant change in life. And, and, and there's no reason to be afraid of it. I mean, our minds try to tell us that there's something wrong with it, but there's no reason to be afraid of it. And God wants you, through him, to be able to overcome that and make a difference in change. Every one of us, God desires for us to make a difference in, in making change. Amen? He wants you to be out in the forefront of change and not, you know, change trying to drag you along. Yeah, that's a bad place to be. Amen? So today, ending our series entitled Belief, and uh, the last two weeks had a little video clip, 
And I've got one today that I want to show right now before I get into the Word. I was a good girl. Strictly raised. And betrothed to Joseph. When... When one morning my room filled with light. It was white light. Like the sun, but with no heat or pain. It was pure. Like the air itself was glowing. I saw a figure. Larger than a man, but like a man inside the light. And it spoke to me and said, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. I had found favor with the Lord and I was blessed among women. It said that from my womb would come a son. getting so big we won't be able to do this much longer. Go on with the story. I said I had never been with a man. So the angel said that the Holy Spirit would come over me and that I would give birth to a holy child. I answered I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be done. What did Joseph say? Yes. That was a worry. But an angel also came to him and told him everything. Then, is he an angel? No. No. The angel is not your father. God is. your father that's from the movie the young messiah um movie that they made that i've never seen anything like that is about the it, it was about the birth and then the young life of jesus which we don't have much record of not in the bible anyway but they did a great job of that, and, and uh, she's, that was young Jesus in that little clip, and Mary's explaining to him what had happened, how that he was born, how he was conceived and born, and, and she made the point, and I'm going to read the story today, and I'm going to make a couple of points I'm going to read two different stories and make points about how to believe 
how we believe and have faith in God. What, what are some of the big obstacles that we face on a day-to-day basis in believing? And as Mary said there, the angel said what he said. What she, what, the only thing that Mary was concerned about Mary, what, the Bible doesn't say that Mary questioned what the angel said regarding even her never being with a man. She just made that statement to him. But what she questioned was the angel telling her that she was blessed above all women. Here's a 16-year-old girl, and the angel comes and says, you're blessed above all women. How could that be? I know a lot of, she's thinking, I know a lot of other women, and I know this. But the angel said that. And the angel only declared what the father said. So that was the word of God through the angel to Mary. And then we see Mary's response, and we'll look at that again in a minute. But... um, I want to look at another story that's right before the story of the angel Gabriel coming to Mary. And it's about a story regarding Zacharias. And in the fifth verse of Luke chapter 1, It says, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zechariah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. They'd never had children. So it was, in verse 8, So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord, and the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. This is after he had gone in. He was in there by himself. Angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. Zechariah was troubled, and fear fell upon him. Now, I want you to back up just a minute, and I want you to look at verse 6, where it talks about Zechariah and Elizabeth. And it said, they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. They were both righteous, walking in the commandments and the ordinances of God. I made this statement to you the last several weeks and through the month of January, we'll make it more and more. It doesn't matter how much you know, you can study the Word of God, night and day, night and day, night and day. You can quote the Bible backwards. You can know every Hebrew and Greek word translated. 
doesn't matter how much you know, and it really doesn't matter how much you do. But what matters is, do you know him? Because what we do from knowing him will produce the same things that were produced in him. I'll say it again. When what we do in life, our actions, are because we're connected to him, we're getting closer to him every day, then what we do will be successful. It will produce. So I'll say it again. It doesn't matter how much you know. Does that mean we don't, that, that we quit learning and we don't need to know? No, no. We continue to develop that. But listen to me. Just a head full of knowledge will not cause revelation to manifest in your life. The knowledge that we have has to become a part of us. We have to be doers of his word in difficult times. Not just doing his word in the form of of confessions that we make. Confessions are vital to your life because they cause you to become more aware of who God is, but it doesn't end with a confession, just a life of confession. There's got to be a life of intimacy and relationship with God so that what we say we believe, we really believe that produces real fruit. Verse 12 again. And when Zechariah saw him, the angel, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now, if you were, it was about five in the morning and you were in your bedroom and all the lights are out and all of a sudden an angel appeared, do you think that there would be a potential of there being a nervousness or fear or whatever trying to grip you because you're, you, you know, the, it's not the norm for us to wake up every morning and talk to angels, Amen. right? wasn't the norm for Zachariah. But, but I, I, I'm going to drive a point home today that you need to get, you need to get this in this series that we've taught in believing. You need to get a hold of this. Because it will help you to understand how to believe that you hear from God. Knowing God, knowing God in your head is not enough. You've got to know that you believe God because you know you hear from God. If, you don't, if you're not convinced that you hear from God, that you have a sense inside of you of the presence of God then you can never grow and make changes in your life if you're not convinced of that because it's not enough just to know a bunch of stuff in your head. If that was true, everybody with education and knowledge in in their head would be spiritual giants, and it's not so. We've got to be people that know how to break it down. Only the person of the Holy Spirit can take the knowledge you have and break it down and make it real to you. Because what I'm sharing with you today falling on the ears of everybody in here and everybody has different backgrounds everybody has different lives going on everybody's dealing with different things 
But this word will minister to each and every person if you receive it and do something with it. Not just receive it, oh, yeah, that's a good word, yeah, yeah. But you do something with it. That's the key. Amen? So, fear gripped his heart. Angel told him, don't be afraid. And this is going to happen. Verse 14. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, If you heard something like that in your bedroom from something that you weren't sure what it is and you heard those words right there, would you have a witness, if you're born again, would you have a witness about those words and that being spoken? Would you have a sense whether that was of God or it was of the devil? I'm, I'm literally asking you, do you think you would know the difference? You'd have a sense about that. So this is Zacharias' response. And Zacharias said to the angel, I believe you're from God. I receive that word, and so be it. No. How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Fear gripped his heart. Okay, we can kind of go with that. The angel of the Lord delivers the word of God to him. Remember, this is a righteous man who has a head full of knowledge. You can be born again and have a head full of knowledge and not know God. The key to believing is is knowing God. And Zechariah says, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. You did not do what with my words? You didn't believe them. Now, is there an importance to you and I not just knowing what God's word says, but actually believing it? To believe something is to be fully convinced that what he promised, he's able to perform it. And the process in your and my life that has to take place for that to happen is just what is common to all mankind. If you're born again and you've never grown, then you got some work to do. If you're born again and you've made changes and you've embraced the word and you've developed it, listen, it's going to get more intense the more that we live on this earth. Do not think that things are going to get easier. 
You know, when I was early on in my born-again life, uh, let's see, I got born again in 77, and there was a Democrat president. And then Ronald Reagan came on the scene, and the first time I voted for president was for President Ronald Reagan for two terms. And, uh, and, And somewhere in there, you know, after... Uh, George Bush was elected as president and then Bill Clinton was elected it was like you know there was a whole change in 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 Christians lives and walks and 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 their their whole walk I mean it's like fear grips so many people's hearts because a democrat I mean in the world I'm talking about in the world whether you're republican or democrat doesn't matter I'm saying in the world that I was in, I was around a lot of Republicans. And when Bill Clinton became the president, then it was like, you know, literally, I felt like at times like God had fallen off the throne. You know? And, and I, I thought all, all along that time that, you know, I would hear people say, well, we've, we've got to win the White House back. And so, you know, I, I got in the flow of all that thing, you know, and, and so, you know, I, I, I went to uh, the state convention and did the, the county convention and did those things and tried to get worked up and all this. And when I went to the state convention, I was sitting there on the floor at the state convention, the Republican state convention, And it was like the devil himself was there. Now, whatever you are political party-wise, I'm just telling you what I experienced. But the venom and the hatred and the things that came out of people that were supposedly born of God, born again, because of other people that supposedly weren't or a part of another political party it shocked me and I left there and I came home and I told my wife I'm never doing it again I'm going to preach the word I'm going to encourage people I'm going to stand up for what's right I'm going to support and get behind people that that I believe are doing right in the political world but I'm never standing behind a party for the sake of a party ever again ever ever Because what I saw there was demonic. Because what they were declaring in that whole thing, what they were declaring was hatred and anger and venom and stuff because their battle was against, literally, against flesh and blood and not against principalities and powers. Now, I'm not saying that all the people in there didn't believe in that their battle is against principalities and powers and flesh and blood. I'm just saying that's what was projected there. And I had this sense that something was wrong. There was just something not right. And it almost literally to the point where I thought I was going to vomit what I sensed there. Now, I'm not against anybody, any political party. I'm not against this, that, or the other. I'm just saying you and I have to learn how to have a right sense about what's right and what's not. Zacharias should have picked up in his heart that that was from God. 
okay, you startled me. I'm in the I'm at the altar of incense. I'm in here, you know, doing sacrifices on, on behalf of people. And all of a sudden, this bright light and this thing manifests. Okay, it startled you, but you and I can't be moved by things that startle us on a day-to-day basis. We can't be moved by this. We've got to have a sense that God is bigger and more real than the things that we face day-to-day. Because I promise you, things are not getting easier. They're just not. Isaiah 60 says, Darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord. What matters is the light of the gospel of Jesus and you connecting to that light and having a real relationship with him so that we overcome the darkness with the light. But you will not overcome the darkness with just having a head full of knowledge. You overcome the darkness because you're connected to the light. Amen? But the light. But God. And if I'm born again and God's in me and I'm connected to the light, then I overcome because he's already overcome. We can't refuse and neglect and ignore what he's already positioned us to do. Can you say amen? Now, I'm going to come back to Luke 1 in a moment, but I want you to look at 2 Timothy 1. We're talking about believing. And verse 12. Paul's telling Timothy here, in verse 12, he said, For this reason I also suffer these things, nevertheless... I am not ashamed, for I know whom, I know whom, I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. Paul said, through the sufferings, through things, through the stuff that happens, through the the times that we're startled or we're thrown off and fear tries to grip our heart. Listen, listen, you're not doing anything if you're not in a place when fear's trying to grip your heart. He didn't say fear wouldn't come to grip our heart. It's what we do with it when it happens. Paul said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. We're not just, you believe in God? Oh, yeah, yeah, everybody believes in God. It's, it's one thing to believe in God. But are you convinced? This is what Paul said. I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. Till what day? Till the end day. Till the last day. In other words, every day I've, I, am, I am convinced that he is committed to me to keep that which I've committed to him. He is committed to me to see that what he's promised that I'm believing for will come to pass. Paul said, I'm I'm convinced. Say that, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. He said, I'm persuaded that God is able. Why? Because I know in whom I have believed. I know in whom. Look at John 17. John 17. 
and verse 3. And Jesus said here, And this is eternal life. This is life eternal. This is the life that God wants you to live. And you live this by what he says here. This is life eternal that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That they may know you. They may absolutely know you and know who you are and be convinced. They know you. They absolutely know you and know who you are. If there's only one God, then there's no other God. Jesus said here that in verse 3, that they may know you the only true God. There is no other God. there, There are lots of gods that appear to be gods, but there's only one true God. And if you believe in that God, then God wants you and I believing the same thing that he believes. When somebody brings up a subject and they say, well, I believe that God believes this. I believe that the word says this thing. And you hear somebody say something that you know that the word doesn't say that, somebody's wrong. Because there's only one God. And our God, the scripture says in Hebrews 13, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he never changes. And he can't have, he can't have a plethora of different ideas. He has one idea and one thought about every subject. And when you and I don't agree, then one or the other or both of us are wrong or off and the way we get right is we get closer to him. Not conformity. That's an interesting word. Conformity. I looked it up. Long definition. Conformity is the act of matching attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors to group norms. Well, you know, there's one God, and there's all these belief systems that go to the one God. All roads lead to God. I had a family member of mine years ago give me a book, and that was the title of it. All roads lead to God. Because they didn't believe in my God. But they do believe in my God because they were raised to believe my God. But then they changed what they thought about my God. I'm talking about my God. But they still had those roots in them. But they wanted me to read this book because they wanted me to conform to their way of thinking. 
It's not my way or your way. It's his way. And it's not conformity that's the answer. And we live in a society that this conformity, man, I could use some four-letter words to describe conformity in our society. But I won't. It's getting worse and worse. You know why? That's not a bad confession. It's getting worse and worse because the devil is worse and worse. See, God gets better and better in, in the form of illumination and revelation and things that, that come alive on the inside of you. God just gets better every day. But the devil gets worse and worse. And the longer you walk with God and the better he gets in here, the worse it looks out there because of all this conformity crap. I got a half, half a ugly word out. This tendency to conform occurs in small groups and or society as a whole and may result from subtle, unconscious influences or direct and overt social pressure. Ah, oh, Pastor, that doesn't affect me. Oh, then you're dead. That affects everybody. And and and, and you you know what you know what happens too, is that sometimes we want to not conform, so we get in the ditch on the other side. And that's not right either. You know what's right? This. This is the only thing that's right. It's the only thing that's ever been right. It's the only thing that'll ever be right. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he never changes. This is always right, and this is not conformity. There's one God, and there's only one God. And there'll always be just one God, and there's never been more than one God, and that one God is the God of the Bible. But you have to believe it. Now listen to me. I'm sitting here saying this to you, and I don't usually preach like this because I'm not all into, you know, I'm not up here to argue with you. I mean, if, if I had an open forum for the last few minutes we were here, you know, we could, uh, yeah, but, you know, I have a friend that, you know, and I did, yeah, but I have a family member, yeah, but, I, but somebody taught that. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's my pulpit today. I'm preaching. I'm telling you the way it is. See, and you don't have to believe a thing that I say. You don't have to believe any of this. I'm just telling you. And remember, I didn't tell you what I thought. I read you scripture, and I read you, I just read you scripture out of John 17. And who is that? That's, that's the Supreme Court laying down the truth and saying this is the way it is. It's the red letters in here. Jesus said it. Amen? So you don't have to believe it at all. I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I've learned. I'm telling you what's become revelation to me. I'm telling you about this God that I know. I know in whom I've believed. This next month, I'm going to share some things about the last seven years of our journey at Gates of the City since we've been in our building. In the next month, I'm going to share little pieces of of our journey and some things that we went through for a number of years in that journey but 
everybody has a journey and everybody has difficulties and everybody has things that challenge their life. But it's what you do in the midst of the trials and the test and the things that come at you that make you a person with a testimony of the greatness of God versus a testimony of how difficult everything is. There's a huge difference. God wants you and I to be people that testify of his greatness in the midst of our struggles. I want to believe his word in the midst of what I'm facing. And in the last, for for a couple of years in there, in the last seven years, I went through some things that I didn't ever believe I'd ever go through. But I went through them. And for the most part, there were things that we went through, my wife and I went through, my family, that we went through, but we had to just go through it. And a lot of times, it's it's a lonely walk because you can't get everybody's opinion, see, because you got to get the one God's idea on what you're facing and what you're going through. And if you won't pull yourself up by your bootstraps and stay connected to him and get and press into him and press into the light then all the darkness ideas have this have this kind of glittery light and they try to tell you it looks like it's going to be okay and it looks like yeah I can I can just bail from this thing that I know God told me to do but it looks like it's not working so I'm going to make this work and listen, and, and the devil makes sure that people come across your path, try to convince you that this new way is the best way because, you know, God just got tired of that plan. Never. Never. Not one time in the Bible, anybody that saw the end, did they see the end because they gave up five years in, ten years in. And every journey in the Bible that had had monumental effects to humanity took 10 and 15 and 20 and 25 years. Why? Because of the heart. It doesn't matter what you know. It doesn't matter how much you do. What matters is who you know. What what matters in your and my life is who we know and how how connected we are to the one true God. And in a moment, we're going to finish the message by reading how amazing that that 16-year-old girl was. How absolutely amazing her response was to the angel. She was startled. A little. But she was more startled about him calling her an amazing woman, blessed above all women, she was more startled at that because of the humility of her life, her heart, than it was of the bright light. So I'm going to tie this together right now. By making a couple of statements. Um, I, I know that, 
you know, when, when I share things with you, I share things with you about how, what God has shown me. And I, and I wrote this down. How well you know God is determined by how you talk about him. Faith is always positive. Well, you know, that's God. I was in faith, and you know, I, I know I didn't say everything right, but you know, I was in faith. No, you weren't. No, no, you weren't in faith. Maybe you were developing faith, and you were working at developing faith on the inside, but you weren't in faith because faith is always positive. Every scripture that you, that you read about somebody that was in faith, they're positive. You read Romans chapter 4 about Abraham, and he was fully convinced that what God had promised he was able to perform. Now, you go back to the Old Testament and read about Abraham, and some times when he was lying, and he was, you know, frustrated, and he was trying to make things happen, and he, you know, he, he chooses to take his advice of his wife and, you know, sleep with his maid and, and, and different things to, to cause the blessing of the Lord to happen. But it took him 25 years, and after that 25 years, he got past that. And so all we read about him in the New Testament is that he believed God. That's all we read about Abraham. Because there came a place when he went through the difficulties, and he went through the stuff he needed to, and when he got to the other side, he was in faith. And you know what happened? He remained in faith fully convinced that what God has promised, he is able to perform it. And that's what it takes. In 1 John 4, and then we're going to read Mary's story. In 1 John 4, and verse 4, it says this. But you are of God little children and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. There's part of this passage of Scripture right here that at times has confused me. I'm just telling you the truth. It's confused me at times. But something that God showed me about two years ago about this passage that I just read to you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There are times when it doesn't look like that, and I don't feel like that. But I know it today. After 40 years walking with God, I know that the greater one lives in me. And when I tell you something, like I'm telling you today, and, you know, I, I can't, you know I, I, I've tried to preach messages without Scripture. You know, they can be shorter, and you can, you know, I've, I've preached some messages with just stories and those kind of things. But then you've got to take my stories without Scripture and believe that what I said is true, but you don't have scripture to back it up. And I just can't do that. That's just not me. I settled that a long time ago. But I tried it. <clears throat> I'm not saying I can't do it if God leads me to do it in this situation. And, and I've done it at times. 
But the word is everything. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. And his word is what brings the continued revelation to me, and I have to have it. So when I teach something like this, I expect you to hear it and to believe what I said. Because I believe what I'm saying is absolute truth. And don't, don't lose me. Listen to what I'm saying. See, if I preached the word and I didn't believe that this was true, if I was preaching this to you and I'm, and I'm, I'm apologizing for it, and well, you know, I'm not even really sure if this is true. How are you going to believe that? See, he's, he makes a statement here. He says, he said, they are of the world. He said, we're of God. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. See, if you're born again and you're listening to me today, because I believe God, then you're going to hear what I say. You're going to judge it for yourself, but you're going to hear what I say because I'm telling you and preaching to you something that I believe for myself, that I've walked through. I'm not, not perfectly and in perfection, but I've walked it through. I believe this is really true. And I believe one of the things that the enemy does is he takes the world and waters the world down to conform to the word and try to get people to believe a watered-down word that's connected to the world And God doesn't want you just hearing things that's connected to a watered-down message. He wants you to hear his word and believe his word because those that believe the word from the man or the woman of God, they prosper. God, See, God set it up that way. Well, you know, I don't need to listen to any preaching. I just hear God for myself. No, it doesn't work that way. See, because there's no faith involved in that. You know, you may not like my jacket or my red shirt today. I mean, you think, you know, what's that red shirt? What's he wearing all that? That suede-looking, fake-looking jacket thing he's got on. See, you could be being bothered by something that I have on. you got to, by faith, get past that. You may not like the way I wear my hair, or you may not like my shoes, or you may not like me, but God told you to sit here and come. You need to sit here and listen and pay attention and get past all those things and receive the Word of God and do something with it. Now, we're going back to why? Did Zacharias not believe that was an angel from God? Because he hadn't trained himself to listen and have that sense and, and, be, and that familiarity with what was in him there. And you say, well, yeah, but Zechariah wasn't born again. Yeah, I understand that. But they had the ability to know and discern what was right or not. You and I now have the ability to know when something's right or not. As I'm preaching this word, you have the ability to know in your gut that what I'm saying is absolute truth. And I'm going to dig it out for myself. And I'm going to see that what he's saying is absolutely true and that life and the life that I'm living today is not about how much I know and all the things that I do to make sure that God loves me and all these kind of things. But what matters is, am I growing in him? To have a real relationship with him. That's what matters. See? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I hear from God. Why? Because I know God. 
and I'm preaching under, under the fivefold ministry anointing of a pastor, I'm preaching to you today a truth of God's word that will liberate you and set you free if you will receive it, if you bear witness in your heart that what I'm saying is true. That's the way he set it up. That's the way he set it up. And so what happened with Mary, go to Luke, and we'll end with this. Everything for you and I started right here. Everything for all of humanity started right here in one person receiving what the angel of the Lord said, what the word of the Lord said. Verse 26 of Luke 1. Now in the sixth month, same angel, angel Gabriel, that had gone to Zechariah, sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. One translation says, Blessed are you, uh, you're more blessed than all women. One translation says it that way. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. So all he said now, all that he said to this point is, to her is, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you, and blessed are you among women. That's all he said. And so she's, she, uh, she's troubled at his saying and considered what matter of greeting it is. So, okay, there's a startling. Okay, there's a light. As she talked about in the little clip, there was a light, and this is how, this is what I saw. And so she was startled somewhat. And the angel of the Lord said, and the angel of the Lord knows this, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So is it common to man for something like that to startle and cause fear to try to grip all of us? Anybody? Okay? Stuff happens. Things come. It's what we do with them that matters. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there shall be no end. That's what the angel said after the, the, the first statement. Then he says all that. But what he said right there, I mean, she, she was just, she just got engaged. And for her to have a child, it's death. If she's not married and she becomes pregnant, then that's a stoning in the middle of the street. I mean, that would be a whole lot harder for me to believe <laughs> than to believe that I'm just blessed above everybody else. But this is her response. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Which is an honest question. Amen? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. 
And this is now the sixth month of her who is called barren. Verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. One translation says, I think it's the NIV says, no word from God will ever fail. Verse 38, then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So what she did, by faith, believing that what God said through the angel, in other words, she got a witness in her heart. She had to. She got a witness. This is not from, this is not some spooky thing. This is real, and I know it's real. Have you ever, <clears throat> have you ever been somewhere and you're talking to, to somebody and they're telling you something, and you just get this sense that what they're saying is not true. You just get this sense. You just, you know, I think they're feeding me a line of bull. We have a sense. See, if, 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 if you don't develop your ability to know what's right and what isn't right, if you don't develop that ability, I'm not talking about just being critical of everybody you come across. I'm talking about being sensitive to it. If you don't develop that, then you're not going to know what's God and know how to believe it. Then you become a part of the conformity that's in the world. See, well, we're not sure if that's God or not. So, well, you know, you know there's, there's no real absolutes in God. No, there's absolute absolutes. This is absolute. And everything he says is so. And, and if you try to talk yourself out of it, it doesn't work. God wants you and I delivered of conformity. And he wants us individually, he wants us as a body, but he wants the body of Christ to become, to come and become conformed to his image. And to do that, you and I have to think like him and not you trying to get me to think like you or me trying to get you to think like me. We're thinking like him. So when I'm preaching the word today, I'm putting out there what he thinks and whatever he thinks and says is what's coming to pass. Can you say amen? Today, God wants you to trust in him. Proverbs 3 and verse 4 and 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, not your head. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. God will. He always will. There's nothing. There's nothing in life that doesn't already have the answer to and already have your way out of anything that you face. Not anything. Before the foundation of the world, God had a plan for your life. And not only did he have a plan, but he had it all planned out. And in that plan, you and I choose to walk his way or we choose not to. It's our choice. You can walk in his plan or you can just walk in his permissive will. Because he'll permit all kinds of things. I don't, want to, I don't want to live in his permissive will. I want to live in his perfect will because I know how to hear his voice because I've developed that relationship with him. So I respond to his word when it comes like Mary instead of like Zach. Amen? I'm responding like Mary. So be it according to your word. Instead of like Zach, how can it be? going to be like the Beatles song, let it be. Let it be, let it be, let it be. Not how could it be. Let it be. That's the God we serve. Can you say amen?